Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Dr. Michelle Crouch, the stage director for Opera Quad Cities, about the upcoming performance of the Pirates of Penzance this weekend, June 14th and 16th, at the Galvin Fine Arts Center on the St. Ambrose University campus. Good morning, Dr. Crouch. Good morning, Carolyn. What is the storyline behind the Pirates of Penzance? The storyline is a, an unlikely um, combination of a, a group of pirates who are very happy, um, the rollicking band, as they're called, uh, who are um, surprisingly um, um, not successful as pirates um, because they are orphans. And um, so their their empathy and um, compassion for everybody that they're trying to ransack um, overcomes them <laughs> so that they um, end up not being um, very successful. And one of their number um, becomes um, of age and wants to leave the pirating um, enterprise and um, does so with a great deal of um, um, little little um, twists that become become apparent throughout um, the rest of the opera. Um, but then the pirates um, feel like they they need to um, to intervene. And so there's this grand um, twist at the end whereby Frederick is found to be born on the 29th of February, which means that he's not able to leave because it's not when he's 21 years old, but after his 21st birthday. So he Because is, he was born on leap year. He was year. born on leap so, year. So um, he is then going to be a pirate. Meanwhile, he's fallen in love with a maiden that he's met, and um, it's all um, very convoluted. Um, <laughs> so it lives does, up to its name as kind of a, I think it's been described as a comic opera. Oh, my goodness, yes. And the comedy is made of bumbling and hysterical reactions and f- funny little ironic um juxtapositions. Mm-hmm. Now, this premiered in the late 1800s, and there's an extraordinary song entitled I Am the Very Model of a Modern Major General in the show that I couldn't believe when I first heard it. It's very witty and very, very fast. So who's performing the role of the general in your cast and, and performing this? Yes, the, our, our general is Michael Callahan, who is um, well known to many people who have seen um, productions done at Genesius Guild. Um, he's a very funny actor, extremely creative, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he brings um, the modern the modern major general to life. I am too, and I just... I can't imagine it, trying to memorize and perform that. Yep. It's, 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 that uh, we have to drill this <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, is your cast primarily local, or did you audition performers from outside the Quad Cities? It's primarily local. It's, um, I mean, local in terms of the area. Uh, the chorus is definitely local, and um, the principals come from uh, one as far as as far as, as far from um, Des Moines. But um, most of them are from Iowa City, Quad Cities um, region. Mm-hmm. We do so. have quite an extraordinary extraordinary amount of talent in our region. Yes, we do. Um, so this is a great way to showcase that. Yeah. 
Now, Dr. Nathan Witten from St. Ambrose University, he'll be conducting the music for the performances. So there's yes. a live orchestra. There is. that we, we just call it the Summer Opera Orchestra because they have, over the years, been go-to players to, um, to accompany the summer operas. So are these... Uh, players that might be part of the Quad City Symphony. Definitely. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what one story that I thought was was so interesting about this that that there that several organizations combined to bring this together. Because opera is is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It's a hard thing to pull off. So Let's talk a little bit about uh, which organizations join forces to to, to bring yeah. this to our I community. am a, I'm a, the representative of the Augustana uh, contributions. So um, I'm representing Augustana College as one collaborator, and Nathan is a, the representative of the St. Ambrose um, um, University, and they're um, housing us for our performance um, is a, a very um, important part of their contribution as well. And which then, is which is at Galvin at Galvin, mm-hmm. that's correct on um, St Ambrose campus. And then um, the Genesius Guild is really responsible, and I should say more specifically Don Wooten. Um, it's it was his baby, his idea to have opera in the park in the first place, and so. Um, the 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 idea of the um, the opera, the summer opera, really came from him and from their programming. And Opera Quad Cities um, is the sort of the new caretaker of the summer opera. Don Wooten um, wanting to retire and see opera f- still flourish. They have um, taken that role, and they've been um, happy to come out of dormancy, which they were in for a good ten years um, after the recession, two thousand and eight. So they are the the new caretakers. So they are the the overarching um, organization under which we are all um, contributing in our collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, while, um, while Genesis Guild performed uh, their operas out, outdoors for many years at, at Lincoln Park, which is really a spectacular setting. I mean, to, to listen and hear opera it is. outdoors is, 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 inc- is incredible, but you're at the mercy of the weather. Correct. So having an indoor um, space like Galvin with, with better acoustics um, – with a fairly large seating capacity, I think yes. it seats over a thousand people. Correct. Um, yeah. That's that's just perfect, and and uh, especially this year when the weather has proven to be so very um, poor mm-hmm. so often, uh, we are very grateful that we are not at the risk of losing all of the performances that we have prepared. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a little bit about the history of Opera Quad Cities. It's a it's a relatively new nonprofit. Yes, it has been around um, for a number of years. Before 2008, they were active um, producing operas in this area. They hosted a young artist's competition that drew talent from from far and wide. Um, And now uh, are um, coming back in this new capacity, so starting to find their way again, our way, I should say. I've um, been welcomed onto that board, and um, we're together pooling our creative energies and ideas for our summer opera programming. At this point, it's still just the summer opera. That's all we can manage. All of us are busy in our other in our other hats that we wear. But the summer opera, um, particularly for summer, for, for the, the singers in this area who also likewise have day jobs, then the summer is a time that they can, can find time to, mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. Um, so that 
that there, there's really a, a very specific reason Correct. for and that. That 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 organization was is headed um, by Ron May. Um, he was the the proprietor of Opera Quad Cities before, and he now still is our our, um, our director. Mm-hmm. So, how do you choose which opera will be performed each summer? Mm. Last summer it was the Marriage of Figaro. Yes, that was a very uh, very fun and um, and very tall undertaking um, to be have such a big opera. Um, we we talk about it extensively. We we think about um, things that would be of wide appeal. Um, we're not going to do obscure pieces that are difficult um, to understand and, and difficult to listen to. Um, we're going to do pieces that are known to be popular, known to be ways for people to um, to connect with opera. I'm particularly interested in getting young people involved in performing it. So it needs to have a kind of accessibility. And Pirates, for example, is a perfect example of a of an opera that has appeal to young singers particularly young male singers so we're very pleased to have um, three of the high schools represented in the in the cast um, of young young teenagers who are discovering the joy of opera for the first time and that makes me very excited mm-hmm. are you able to recruit from Augustana and from St Ambrose yes, as well yes yes those um, those those student bodies are have auditioned and are um, have been successful and their alumni often who are in the area are also um, represented in the cast mm-hmm. now besides besides obviously the the work selecting um, the the performers and the musicians to play the music there's so much extra work the lighting all the backstage work, making the costumes. Correct. Yeah. So when do you start work work on this? We start thinking about it months in advance. But when it comes down to it, we're, we're actually working in this month immediately before the performance in a focused way. Lots of preliminary work, plans. But when, we, when it comes to it, we've got basically a month to put it together. And we're very thankful for volunteers that have um, come to say, yes, I could do this. Um, yes, I could do this, um, you know, for this time, right from building the set, designing the set, um, helping to coordinate costumes, which we're drawing from various various places, um, measuring and um, fitting them and making sure that the cast looks good. And um, and then the lighting and, um, and considerations with, the, with production, um, we rely very heavily on the on the people who know the equipment and, and the, the techno- technology at the, the auditorium at St. Ambrose. So mm-hmm. we're very thankful for them as well. Have you encountered any unexpected challenges um, directing this type of production? Unexpected challenges. Um, opera is famous for unexpected challenges. <laughs> uh, the the big unexpected challenge that's been taken out of the equation, which I'm very thankful for, is the weather. So being indoors, that was the biggest unexpected challenge. Is um, when when weather comes into it, then what are what's Plan B? And um, so the unexpected challenge um, is is. Um, more limited to um, conflicts that come up with people in the cast that they can't um, be there for some reason or another. Um, maybe one ex- one unexpected challenge that we faced with this one is that there's been a problem with the pit at um, St. Ambrose. And um, so we are improvising with that using technology to have put the orchestra behind the set so that and we'll use camera it. rather than in front mm-hmm. and we're hoping that that will also solve some of the balance issues that we had with the um, the orchestra and the singers last year um, but that's a challenge that's certainly a challenge so that'll be a big part of our rehearsals this week is learning to adapt ourselves to that technology mm-hmm. that makes that possible for the conductor to be behind the the singers 
How do, how do you, as the, as the stage director, how do you prompt the best performance from the cast? Because, you know, a good opera singer is also an excellent actor, and they need to have a commanding stage performance. Do you, do you have experience with that? Did you learn acting skills along the way as you earned your Ph.D. in, in music and music performance? It's true. I, I think that acting is something that has, in in opera's history, the expectation of acting wasn't as strong as the expectation of the quality of the singing. But over the years, that has actually, um, that gap has closed. And now audiences expect a good actor as well. And so education, the forming of singers, opera singers has risen to that challenge so that there's a, a very high bar for acting as well. How do I get the best out of them? I assume that they have good ideas. I'm not a um, I'm not a, a tightly controlling kind of director. I have some ideas, but um, I assume they also have good ideas, and I love to see their ideas. It's part of the nature of a collaborative art like opera is to allow that that to be somewhat porous. There are certainly different styles of directing. Some directors that wouldn't be like that, but that's not been my style. And um, we've got some very talented actors in the cast, and I love to see their creative ideas. Um, they try things, and it's like, oh, keep that. That's great. You know, that's um, that's really um, part of the fun of it mm-hmm. is seeing the these, these creative ideas um, attempted and succeeding. So that makes each production really very unique. Yeah. So you can see the same thing many times, and yet they're, they're, they're infinite variations. Correct, very much so. I mean, I think if you saw this in England, for example, it would be quite different um, than what you would see here in the Midwest mm-hmm. or even on the East Coast. There's just different different cultures, different expectations, different moods um, that um, that. The, the immediate area will um, will allow. And of course, this is has got a very decidedly British flavor to it. So people who love British humor and British um, comedy are going to find themselves drawn into the comedy more than people who don't get British comedy. So this was written by Gilbert and Sullivan. Correct. So they were, I didn't realize they were British in origin. Yes. And it premiered in the late 1800s. Are, are there? So this is an older opera, although so many of them are, are were written centuries ago. Are modern day operas still being written? Modern day operas are very definitely still being written. Uh, very important for people to know that, and very interesting and successful pieces. I like doing new pieces as well as old pieces. This is most technically called operetta because there's dialogue, so that's the dividing line between opera, grand opera. There's no spoken dialogue. This has got a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of important spoken dialogue. So, um, so you won't numbers. need to have sub, you know, no, t- title subtitles. English, yeah, correct. and, and yeah. so people will be under be able to Completely. follow it yes. throughout. And that's um, that itself, I'm sure, increases the comfort level. It makes it a little bit more accessible. True. To, to people, because I know some people say, "Well, opera, I, I really can't understand it. I don't know what they're saying." And right. You can get. Um, pulled into just the emotion of it just from the beautiful singing and you can surmise I think sometimes a lot of the plot but it's really true the music tells the story mm-hmm. in some measure but the the opera that's performed in German or in Italian in other languages um, there is that extra layer to get through both as an audience and as a performer to be able to be that comfortable in the language so that you're able to portray things realistically it takes a lot of a lot of depth mm-hmm. of language as well as um, of 
the acting skills and all of that. So that's what singers tool in to do opera on a grand scale in Europe where these languages are vernacular. If you're performing Italian opera in Italy, you better be able to um, make it believable in Italian, you know, <laughs> for example. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think opera as an art form has remained relevant throughout the centuries? Mm. I mean, it, it, it obviously speaks to our emotions, mm-hmm. but it has... It has never really diminished in popularity. No, it hasn't. And in fact, it's it's birthed new art forms in many ways. Um, but I think that, I mean, it's a very interesting question. I, um, I teach in the gen ed um, sequence at, sometimes at Augustana. And one of the ways that I taught that class was storytelling, musical storytelling, the use of sound, not just... Um, prose, but storytelling. And that's what opera really does, is makes a story something which is deeply enhanced in significant and symbolic and emotive ways, using music and sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I think, is something that deeply appeals to humans the world over. The telling of stories in various creative ways, using... Um, all other manner of art forms. And uh, Wagner was very significant opera composer who talked about the Gesamtkunstwerk, the complete work of art, where there was every sense, every kind of artistic um, genre is represented in, in the one artwork. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that's, um, that's sort of the standard for opera. Is, and also what makes it difficult is that there's all of those skills that have to come together and have the similar vision to, um, to produce a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I think back through the, through the history, um, before people had access to books, storytelling was, was, was really how... Um, you know, all of our tales, our lessons were passed on. But right. but even recently in modern time, storytelling through through podcasts, I'm just thinking about things mm-hmm. like NPR StoryCorps, people really are very interested in hearing hearing an oral story. They are. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a complete sucker for radio theater. I love it. The, the combination of sound effects and voices and the pacing and, and sound music coming in between, um, which is, of course, very cinematic. It's been influenced by the cinema. But I think the lack of the visual in, in the sound world is very compelling. You don't have anything to see, but you're your Im- your imagery, imagination, um, produces all of these things in a more vital way, which is very much like reading a, a very fine novel. You, any any cinematic um, portrayal of a novel has to rise to the level of people's imaginations, and if they fail, then they are often they they fail um, in a dramatic way because people's expectations of, are are very high because mm-hmm. a novel does that and so I think that that's something that that the sound world of opera um, contributes to that because you you start to feel the grandeur of things and it's not about a moving picture it's about what you feel internally mm-hmm. and what you understand is going on yeah it elicits so, such deep. Very An intense so. emotional yeah. reaction. Right. So, when did you personally become interested in opera as an art form? Um, mm-hmm. How how long ago was that? Did that predate your 
PhD in, in music and oh, you're studying very, it. Yes, it it predated my PhD, but it was um it was something that I mean I stories are something that I I can't my mother read to us all of my life. I I never grew out of wanting to be read aloud to. In fact, I have a friend now in the Quad Cities. We get together and read novels out loud to each other. So I'm oh. very old in that way. But the creating of of a drama. Um, using um, the tools of language, using the tools of music, using the tools of art, um, color, all of those things. Um, probably when I was in my undergrad, I started to understand how interesting this was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the history of it was very significant. It, it, there was a, the point in time that you could say opera started here, um, which was is not true of all other art forms. But opera, you can very clearly locate at the beginning of the 17th century, right around 1600, they started to formulate artistic theses, artistic um, treatises that um, gave birth to to opera, mm. and um, and I, I was I'm very very interested in the early forms of opera, and how some of those early stories have continued to stay with us. So Orfeo is the first um, example of opera that we still have extant of Monteverdi. Monteverdi um, put this opera um, to music or this myth to music. That myth has um, borne fruit throughout entire history, even to now. Hades Town is the most recent example of a musical based on this myth, and it has been nominated for a number of Tonys this year. In um, so it and that myth is still bearing fruit in operatic musical storytelling, musical drama. Um, that fascinates me. It's like there's, but right at the core of it is this great myth that involves music. It's about a musician. The power of music, and it is has borne fruit in large and small ways, in famous as well as not so famous ways, all of those um, four hundred years plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, very exciting. Well, music is so powerful, and yeah. Augustana College is certainly lucky to have you. You're, you're from Canada originally. I am, but I uh, but you came to Iowa for your PhD. I did, yeah. and then I think maybe just at a little lateral jump over over That's to our right. community. To Augustana, um, how long have you been teaching here? This will be my my tenth year. I'll be starting my tenth year at Augustana this fall. And what is it like teaching and mentoring young students who are interested in pursuing a music in or a career in music or or an, or potentially in opera? It's a great thrill, actually. They are so full of potential. Many of them don't realize just how much potential there is. So that's part of the joy is actually making them aware of what is possible and helping them to become serious about the latent talents that they have been given. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, it's a, it feels like a, um, like a great treasure that I'm, I'm allowed to steward in a small way. Mm-hmm. What well, is, because there's, it's so hopeful that next generation and the, and you have that potential to really inspire them. Right. Um, so what would you say to someone who's never experienced a live opera performance before? Why should they go? Well, for one thing, if you've never experienced it before, that's reason enough to go, right? I mean, do it. Um, I think uh, the many other reasons would exist, but I think if you've never done this before and you assume that the stereotypes of opera are true, then you're you're shortchanging yourself on, a, on an experience that's much more complex and interesting. And um, anytime you have the chance to do live music. 
um, you should always assume that that's going to be a, a more intense and a more rewarding experience than the commodification of music that you have on your iPod or whatever is your primary mode of listening to music. Opera is not only just music. It's, it's a complete experience. So what you see on the stage and the kind of experience you have as an audience member, um, you can't get that. So even Saturday afternoon at the opera, for example, um, the, the, the Metropolitan Opera broadcasts, you get which to is, hear, which, which, we is, can, which, I mean, which we that's, get here at Rave. We do, correct. Theaters. So we, we, we can do, uh, well, you can see that in simulcast, which is also a completely different experience to just mm-hmm. listening on the radio, because you get to see um, the, the production and you also get to go behind the scenes. So that's another way to experience opera at a very high level. Of course, the Metropolitan Opera is much, much higher level than what we're able to do here just because they have the facility to um, to do it and the, the huge team of people required to uh, to make opera at that high level. And there's that sort of is the highest level in American opera and all the way down to community operas of various um, kinds across the country. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I read online that your research interest was music literacy. Describe what that is for us exactly. Music literacy is the ability to read notated music, music that's written down. And opera has been written down. It's The complexity requires that there is some large map that helps to coincide all of the all of the the musical events. Um, but that's um, something that that um is not necessarily taught across the board. So we get students coming to college, for example, now, who have had very widely varying levels of music literacy instruction. They've been taught to read music somewhat in in choirs and um, in bands, but to be able to take what's written down and independently learn it and prepare it and be able to come um, to a production like this without needing to be spoon-fed every sound and every phrase. That's something that I'm very interested in continuing because the future of opera depends on that. Mm-hmm. Um, opera is a complex art form, and we, we really require literate musicians to be able to, um, to read. So you're reading the musical notation, the rhythms and the pitches, as well as the text and, um, and understanding how they go together. On the Augustana website, you had said that you feel that vocalists tend to lag a little bit behind Mm -hmm. um, in music literacy compared to the people who play an instrument. Yeah, I think that's true, and partly because singers are very – people who are gifted at singing, for example, are really good at imitating Right, like if you if you are musically inclined as a child, it means you can imitate a song and you can carry a tune, right? Whether or not you can read, but I think the difference is if you take that ability, your musical, um, your ability to imitate, and add to that an ability to read, then you you move from a level of being sort of a highly sophisticated musical parrot to being an intelligent, educated musician Mm -hmm. who uh, is able to make choices with what is written down, much like we do with text, Mm -hmm. right? So an actor takes a text and brings a great deal to it, uses their intuition, their understanding of the character to make choices about how that text comes off the page and makes it a a living, breathing thing. Um, Musicians need to do the same with music. Mm -hmm. Um, And that standard has been constantly slipping, partly because um, commercial music has made music to be a commodity. 
something that you buy. It's not a skill that you learn. And so when the, the piano used to be the center of everybody's living room and people took piano lessons, whether they were going to be um, musicians or not by for their careers, um, then there was a wider uh, a wider group of people that were musically literate. And that that group has, um, I found, shrinking, even to people that are really musically inclined, music, people who love music, have not all been given the tools that they need mm-hmm. to be really good musical contributors. There's a connection between music, <clears throat> certain songs, and poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're definitely related. And uh, you had said that you are trying to improve your students' skill in singing the nuances mm-hmm. of the poetry, which mm-hmm. is the music itself. Very much so. The the, the inflection that good um, that good musicians understand and that good composers do with respect to poetry, so that the stress falls in the right place, that the that the height of of the of the poetic idea is upheld by what what happens musically. It's it's absolutely delightful part of um, being being an art song singer, being a poet, a poetry singer, and with respect to pirates, of course, these are pirates who have a very high regard for poetry. <laughs> they couldn't think of being a pirate without poetry, which is one of those funny little ironies that comes out in this opera. It's delightful too. Well, I can't wait to see it. Well, Dr. Michelle Crouch, thank you so much for talking today, and best of luck with the performances this weekend. Thank you so much. Don't miss the opportunity to experience high-quality live opera this weekend when Opera Quad Cities performs The Pirates of Penzance at the Galvin Fine Arts Center at St. Ambrose University. Performances are Friday, June 14th at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday, June 16th at 3 p.m. Tickets can be purchased online at operaqc.org. This has been Carolyn Martin, talking art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. I am the very model of a modern major general. I've information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the fights historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. I'm very well acquainted, too, with matters mathematical. I understand equations both are simple and quadratical. About binomial theorem, I'm teeming with a lot of news. Lot of news. Got it. With the many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. With the many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. With many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. With many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. I'm very good at integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of beings and immaculous. In short, it matters vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. In short, it matters vegetable, animal, and mineral. He is the very model of a modern major general.